Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show and your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA, 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And in our continuing conversations with our elected officials, we have here with us in the studio today Kevin Kamenetz, of course, who is the Baltimore County Executive. Kevin, good to have you in the house. Welcome. Thanks. Good morning. So, folks, do join us at 410-319-8888 by phone. You can email us at talkatsteinershow.org. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner, but do join us. I have a couple emails that have come in at talkatsteinershow.org, but email us, 410, or call us, 410-319-8888, whether you live in Baltimore County or anywhere you live in the state of Maryland or anywhere else, uh, because this first question, we'll see why. We'll see what he thinks, 410-319-8888. So, Kevin Cameron, first question out of the box has to be, uh, Rishon Baker has said that he is going to make his announcement any day about whether or not he's running for governor. Uh, a lot of people are talking about you also are th- planning or thinking, contemplating running for the state house in this next election. Are you contemplating it? And when do you think you'll let folks know? <laughs> next question. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> are you contemplating it? And when, 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 you, have, you have to be contemplating it, right? Well, look, uh, certainly a lot of people have suggested that they appreciate the job we're doing in Baltimore County and a lot of the things we've been able to do could also be done on a statewide level. So uh, certainly we're we're looking at it. But uh, I think the real issue is focusing on uh, where we are today as a state and and why that concerns me. Uh, So I think... uh, What concerns you the most? Well, what concerns me the most is that I, I think right now we have a governor who does not believe in government. Uh, and and it, that's his message all along. Uh, he he's not an advocate for public school education. Uh, he uh, uh, he tends to uh, 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 create little mini crises that only he can solve. Uh, doesn't that sound familiar? What does that mean? Well, right now he's got this little campaign ban the roadkill bill. Okay, there is no such thing as a roadkill bill, but he, you know, is doing this little mini campaign to highlight the fact that uh, he made some poor decisions with the transportation budget and now is caught uh, behind in a bind where he can't fund necessary projects. And, and the detail of that, of course, comes back to the canceling of the red line in Baltimore. Uh, he, he did so without uh, any real thought to it. Uh, called it a boondoggle, uh, had no plan B, and we're still stuck in traffic. And then in a uh, in a little fit there, he took all of the money that was dedicated to mass transit solutions for the Baltimore region and dispersed it to dubious rural road projects under the claim that this is now the funding priority of each county in the state, the number one priority. Well, there's a reason why some of those priorities were never funded, because they're, they really don't have the greatest investment value. So we're, we, we are now taking the Baltimore region's mass transit money, and we're using it to pay for the widening of 404 uh, on, uh, on the eastern shore on the way to uh, Delaware beaches and turning that from a two-lane into a four-lane so that we can get to the Delaware Beach that much faster. But actually, once you reach the Delaware line, it turns into two lanes, so the backup then starts there. Uh, uh, He's building a highway in western Maryland that makes it quicker to go from uh, West Virginia to Pennsylvania. What what decisions really should be made on are uh, – 
what eases traffic congestion, what serves the most commuters or the potential for most commuters, and what also has some economic development impact. So now, uh, when he needs to fund improvements to the Baltimore Beltway and the Washington Beltway and to 270, he can't do that because he spent the money recklessly. And now he, he covers that by calling this kill the roadkill bill, which is a transportation scoring. It's non-binding, but he's using it as subterfuge to, to suggest that. So let me ask you this question. There's some very specific issues in the county that have come up. People have asked me before the show started and, and, and more, but we'll get to those in a moment. And do join us here at 410-319-8888 um, as we talk with Kevin Kamen, as Baltimore County Executive, uh, who is in his second term and termed out. So we'll come back to some of that later again, maybe. But but so, so that, you know, Baltimore has one of the worst traffic congestion problems in the country, which is amazing, but it's true. The Beltway, a lot of it goes through your jurisdiction. 90% of the Baltimore Beltway is in Baltimore County. And we used to fear when we were younger driving on the Washington Beltway and the traffic patterns that would take place there. You know, with the late rush hours and and then the early start of the afternoon rush now hour. Haven't. Now I think ours is worse. It's amazing. I think Baltimore County uh, backups are worse than the Washington ones now. It, it's pretty bad. So what do you do about it? Well, obviously, I mean, what is the answer to that? I mean, I, 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 obviously, that we're making improvements. The state is making improvements to the Beltway. I mean, there's certain major issues. Uh, there are bottlenecks at the what I call the triple bridges at uh, 70, uh, Route 70 in the Beltway, that uh, the state has not made that investment yet. So that's narrowed to three lanes in each direction. So it doesn't matter how many lanes you widen it before and after that choke point. It's an hourglass effect. And uh, those bridges, have, you know, they, they don't look the greatest to me, but that's just me eyeballing it. I'm not an expert, but it seems we've replaced a lot of other bridges, and, and that's a really expensive project. Uh, there's no funding he's put in place for that. Uh, but the, the real answer isn't just making the improvements to the Beltway. It is promoting opportunities for alternatives to using your car. And, and that's what I call attracting the choice rider to mass transit. Uh, those are drivers who drive the Beltway and have a choice that if they had a, a, a world-class uh, mass transit system, uh, they would use it. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of jealous of the D.C. area uh, and Montgomery County and Prince George's because they do have an integrated system. And, of course, they, you know, they have uh, legitimate complaints about the service of it right now. But it's a lot better than what we have here in the Baltimore area, which is two independent lines that don't even intersect. Uh, both have a terminus in, in Baltimore County, uh, the, the light rail stop in Hunt Valley and the heavy rail right. stop uh, in Owings Mills. Uh, so the red line would have offered another option uh, to build that world-class system. Uh, but, you know, hey, you know, New York has it. D.C. has it. Why, why doesn't Baltimore have it? That's how you ultimately uh, – uh, uh, that and land use policies, how you ultimately encourage use of mass transit. If we get into some of the heart of the issues affecting Baltimore County here, just one quick question. You, you, you put out a statement kind of – lambasting what President what Trump has done about the, this Muslim ban. So, and you made earlier statements about Baltimore County campuses being sanctuaries, or I think that's the term you used. I, I actually did not use the word sanctuary word because I think, 
I, let's let's just talk about this for a second. This use of the word sanctuary is is again, you know, I kind of talk about the hype coming from the governor. This is the same hype that comes from the president and similar minded people. There's no such thing. It's just it's just the scary word that they're using to somehow suggest that we are harboring criminals who are illegal aliens who commit crimes and refuse to turn them over to proper authorities. Uh, It's not that type of situation. Here's here's what I announced uh, uh, after after the election of of, uh, Donald Trump. I reiterated uh, that our Baltimore County police are not engaged in identifying the immigration status of anyone that they come across. Uh, and then I also express support for the presidents of the five colleges that are located in Baltimore County in support of the DACA program, Deferred ar- uh, Arrival for uh, – uh, I'm sorry, a Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival program. And that was a policy that uh, President Obama implemented that said that if you register with the federal government, actually pay a fee, an enrollment fee, uh, uh, and you self-declare that you're an undocumented student, the federal government will not take any action to deport you while you are attending that that, uh, college. Uh, Maryland actually passed a law, uh, the DREAM Act, uh, in, in 2012, that said that if you are a childhood arrival here and undocumented, you graduated from a Maryland high school, and of course, Supreme Court requires us to educate every child K to 12, regardless of their immigration status. Uh, and uh, if that's the case, then you can attend college in Maryland as a uh, as in paying in-state tuition, and that was uh, uh, referended. To the, uh, to the voters, and uh, the voters approved it uh, by almost 60%. Maryland also passed a law, and, and, and for the right reasons, that undocumented aliens can obtain a Maryland driver's license. Those were, you know, again, if you think about it, the policies are the same. We're treating people like human beings. We'd rather, you know, we we educate them K through 12. Why don't we want them to continue with their education? So, we, but, we, we have them get driver's licenses because we want them to be safe drivers who are insured. So, let me, so, so, I mean, so um, the mayor of New York City, the mayor of Chicago, mayor of L.A. have all declared their city sanctuary cities. Baltimore City hasn't done so. I don't think the county hasn't done it either, have they? You, I, you don't have to declare the fact that we uphold the Constitution of the United States. So here's what we're, here's what we're saying here in Baltimore County. We will not detain someone unconstitutionally. And checking, stopping someone for their immigration status by the police is unconstitutional. Stopping, stopping, uh, holding someone in a jail past the time of their sentence just because you get a letter from uh, immigration authorities is unconstitutional. So what we're saying is if you want to call sanctuary being upholding the Constitution, yes, we are following the laws of the state of Maryland. We're following what I believe is still the federal policy of DACA, and we're following the Constitution. 410-319-8888. We're here with Baltimore County Executive Kevin Kamenitz. Or you can tweet us at Mark Steiner or write us an email to talk at steinershow.org. And Melissa has tweeted in, uh, would Mr. Kamenitz support a voluntary program 
to integrate county and city schools, as was done in Hartford, Connecticut? If not, why not? Well, it's a complicated issue because it gets down to uh, uh, local control of boards. And uh, Baltimore County is already the 26th largest school system in the country. Uh, and uh, it, it's a real management issue that we already have here. Uh, 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 I, I, if I kind of read between the lines of the of the tweet, it, it it's a suggestion somehow that Baltimore City or Baltimore County can do a better job than Baltimore City's doing. Uh, I I uh, don't believe that Baltimore City is incapable of doing a better job. I think they can. Uh, it really comes down to a management issue. So we're seeing this uh, uh, budget deficit that's taking place. I, I can tell you that would not have happened in Baltimore County because uh, we would have been paying attention to this very carefully as to how funds were were being spent. And more importantly, uh, we have a great relationship between county government and the school superintendent. And we work hand in hand together uh, to resolve problems and keep each other alert as to issues. Uh, obviously, that hasn't been happening in the city. Uh, the, and they're now in a crisis situation. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's probably a management issue. Totally a management issue? Well, the city has challenges, I get it. But uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, and, and there are great burdens that, that I think the, uh, the teachers and administrators and, and support personnel face in the city that. Uh, we, we don't have in a lot of our county schools, but uh, ultimately, yeah, it comes down to management. I mean, it's not the money. Money's there. Uh, it's just how it's spent. So Lydia Sullivan also tweeted in at Mark Steiner, will he support a ban on fracking in Maryland? I support an, an extension of the moratorium. Not a ban? I support an extension but of the moratorium. But why not a ban? I, I, I think the moratorium serves our purpose right now. Uh, unless, you know, there could be some future technology that's out there. Uh, but uh, right now, I think, uh, it, you know, it, it makes sense to proceed this way. Uh, and uh, uh, that, that it has the same effect, I guess. All right, folks, keep tweeting, but call in at 410-319-8888. So let me raise some issues here that have come up a bit thorny. And, and uh, um, uh, it was interesting last night, you, you, you would... You were not uh, you. You, you weren't at PWI last night, were you? No, no I did I, not go. I, but um, I, I have to tell you, my wife and I have been watching this on TV, and my wife is not, you know, a, a, a CNN <coughs> junkie, so to speak. But like I am, <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's funny during the presidential campaign, she's yelling at me because I think I was watching CNN more than I was looking at my phone, which is a Big change for me, um, <laughs> uh, but it it's boy, it's a scary time. So I I was listening last night to President Trump start lashing out at the media, and I I I immediately thought back. I said, boy, it's Richard Nixon again. But this is after one week. Richard Nixon. It took a couple years to for him to get paranoid about the press. Uh, yeah. It you know history does repeat itself and and you know look we've had presidents who've made bad decisions you know we we've had Cuban Missile Crisis we've had uh, uh, FDR with the with the internment of Japanese and Japanese Americans and uh, you know we we had uh, 
uh, uh, immigration policies in the past that uh, that are similar to what's being discussed now. But uh, I I I am scared like everyone else. I'm I'm actually exhausted. I mean, just listening to him for nine days is exhausting. I think that many people are exhausted, but we're going to keep on pushing here. 410-319-8888. Let me ask a couple questions. One of the things that uh, – Let me go – can I go back to the immigration for a second? Sure. Because I'll tell you what then this we're going to come did. to Baltimore County. Go ahead. Okay. The, the immigration thing has um, really brought back the story, and, and we did issue a statement today about it. Uh, I, I thought of my grandfather who came here at the age of 18 uh, in 1908 by himself uh, from Russia – and uh, uh, adopted Baltimore County, uh, uh, I mean, Baltimore City is his hometown, and became a tailor, and uh, he, as a greenhorn, he, he married an American citizen, and uh, they had four children together, and my grandfather uh, never became a citizen, always had just a green card. But he loved this country more than anything else, uh, he not only raised his children, he, he uh, paid his taxes, uh, he was law-abiding, he operated a business, uh, and uh, cared for this country and what it stood for. It practiced his religion freely, and it's the American dream. It's what every, every single person has that exact same story. It, it's a good time to remember that. So we may not—I am not Muslim— but I can relate to them for these very reasons. This is the time where everyone in this country needs to stand up and remember their own history, not get caught up in this hysteria. There, it, it's a Muslim ban, and it's racist. It's you know, it, it, it's clearly uh, there's no logic to the ban. I mean, I, you know, we all know this. We've been talking to each other on this for a while. Uh, but it's very heartwarming to watch all these citizens come out uh, yesterday and the day before. I Boy, I'm just proud to be an American. Yeah, it was good to see all the people at last night at the airport who were um, – I was there. We were there. Daughter and I were there to see the people seeing this gigantic multiracial, multigenerational crowd of people at BWI. As I was sort of my essay on it on, on Facebook, it was um, – I, I saw yarmulkes and hajibs standing next to each other. Um, literally, uh, in this, and it was. Take a, a picture. I did. That's, that's it, 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 it was. It was. A, it was a beautiful thing to watch. So let's get talk about Baltimore County issues, um, and then we're going to go to the first caller at four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Ray, you're the first caller. We're going to come to your call as soon as it gets posted up there. Uh, but let's go to your phone now. Let's, then, I'll, then I'll come to my question. Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Ray, you're on the air. Welcome. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Very well. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you and to your guests. And I'm just kind of. I'm listening to this guy talk about his grandfather back in 1908, how the great American dream, all his good molasses, surf sound and stuff. And I'm wondering, did he, did he see where, what black people had to go through in 1908? I mean, because he's talking about immigration, not being, police not being able to stop and frisk or search anybody for the green card of immigration status. Did that same thing apply in Baltimore County? You got five young black guys fans hanging down in braids. But they're going to sure stop them and ask them where they're going and where they're coming from and why they're here and see some ID. I mean, it's, does, does he sympathize with that as well or just for, just for uh, illegal aliens? Because he, he felt like he lived in a total world and what's in Baltimore County and Baltimore City. Because I haven't heard him say anything other than, you know, about the immigrant status. And we've been going through this stuff for 
years. And I haven't seen or heard him say anything about, you know, anything other than the the uh, immigrant. All right. Well, Ray, that, uh, thank, that, thanks, thanks for your thanks for your comments. And uh, uh, the reason we were only talking about immigrants is because that was the question. It was about immigrants. Um, but but I want you to know uh, your the story you are relating is accurate and ongoing. Uh, and we are making efforts in Baltimore County to address the issue head on. So we. Uh, we have uh, cons- uh, disconcerting s- statistics for uh, stops uh, that uh, appear to be racially oriented, or as you probably know firsthand, driving while black. Uh, we have uh, issues where there is a cultural bias in the way a police officer will respond to an identical set of facts, uh, but one, one uh, uh, racially different. Uh, and that's why we brought in the Council of State Governments Justice Center to independently look at our practices and procedures, and we did so voluntarily, uh, not under any court order or any other type of outside pressure, uh, to uh, look at our practices and devise strategies for de-escalation, uh, mental health, and cultural bias. So uh, that information is uh, is on our website, but we announced that uh, six months ago, uh, and uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to mention this. So uh, I would come up with something. I'm going to ask you about that. I was going to wait till later, but I can jump into it in a moment. But Juana de la Cruz tweeted in, sanctuary is a term coined by proponents of undocumented migrants on the news, on the news in Central America with cities shown on maps uh, around the country who now call themselves sanctuary cities. And Jacqueline Robarge tweeted in, will prosecutors or judges turn people into ICE for minor misdemeanors related to poverty? Constitutional likely, moral no. Um, but, you know, when you were just talking about this, before we go to break here, uh, you know, the, I mean, I'm curious what, what the county is doing about this. I remember there was, a, there was a last November, it's been a while since we've talked on the air. So last November, um, Jane Miller at Channel 11 did this story um, that we have kind of talked about a bit where the the overwhelming people stopped for traffic violations in Baltimore County are black, even in, 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 in most of the ways precincts. The stats she gave were that uh, in Baltimore County's District 1, which is Arbutus, Halethorpe, and Catonsville, where black drivers uh, make up 50, 56% of all the traffic stops and only 15% of the population. In Precinct 7, she she's looked at Timonium, Cockersville, Baltimore County, uh, 28% of all traffic stops, which has 6% of the population being black, are being stopped. And there have been a lot of issues over the years with Baltimore County and kind of police. They don't get the same attention city police do, but there have been so many instances of of what people think is outright racism on the part of Baltimore County police officers towards the black communities and others. The instances in, in Towson where a student was punched in the face by an auxiliary officer, I mean, and they're on and on and on, Gaines is murder by the Baltimore County police. Um, the, and so, the, so what is Baltimore County doing about that? I mean, about it's underreported, it's not given the same focus as the city, but the issue is the same. Well, again, uh, I, I, I think you kind of spoke with a broad brush here, and uh, I, I, I challenge you when you say it's underreported, or you know, uh, I, I'd like 
like to hear more off off the air. You don't think there's a problem at all in Baltimore County? I, I didn't say that, but the way you just described it, I I have to defend our police department and the way uh, we we do things in Baltimore counties. But um, I, I acknowledge that we can do better, but this is an evolutional concept. So what I did, uh, because you're dealing with a large police force, it doesn't just change overnight. What I, you know, we have uh, 1,900 sworn officers uh, who have long tenures in office. Uh, what I did when I took office in 2010, December of 2010, is that I immediately wanted to increase the diversity of our police department. Uh, uh, 40% of our recruit classes since I took office have been, minor, uh, been minority. Uh, we've also uh, promoted uh, within the rank and file our number two police officer happens to be African American. And the reason that's important to me is because it adds a dialogue among police officers to address issues of bias that they may not be aware of. They may not think uh, or be exposed to viewpoints uh, if you don't have that cultural diversity. Uh, our relationships in uh, the county, I would assert, between the police and the community are relatively strong. Uh, I don't think we have the breakdown that has taken place in Baltimore City. We've never engaged in uh, mass arrests in Baltimore County. Uh, you know the you know for uh, for low level crime. Uh, I I don't think there are instances of harassment to the degree that you described, uh, because I would hear it in terms of complaints against police officers, uh, and and we have relatively few complaints against police officers in Baltimore County. So, so, I, so I challenge that, because those are the indicators. So uh, we're going to go to the phones when we come back, but, but there's also questions here that... that uh, I, I did want to add one more thing. We have to take a break here. Okay. Take, I, quickly, right. let me, because we have to take a break. Body cameras. I'll get back to that later. 410-319-8888. Jay and Eric, we have other questions coming up about uh, issues around development in Baltimore County and more. Stay with us, and we have some emails to read. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you with us here. We're here with Kevin Kamenis, Baltimore County Executive, and you, reminding you on the way back to this conversation, the Mark Steiner Show and conversations like this are brought to you in part by the Maryland State Education Association. From limited over-testing to protecting public school funding, you can learn more about the issues facing Maryland students, parents, and schools by visiting the Maryland State Education Association at MarylandEducators.org. That's MarylandEducators.org, or SteinerShow.org is the Maryland State Education Association's banner. Uh, before we get to the phones here, very quickly, I want to say something about the cameras. We, we have like half an hour. I want to make sure we get a lot of calls in. Um, I, I, first of all, I don't want to sound overly defensive here. I, I think your comments uh, are, are fair that Baltimore County has had a reputation in the past of one of uh, not, in, not being inclusive. But uh, we're working hard to change that reputation uh, and uh, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, when I was 
uh, growing up in Baltimore County, it was nine percent African American. Today, it's twenty nine percent African American. It, uh, you know, it, it, it's a very diverse county. It's not it's not the county of your father's generation, so to speak. One of the things that we are doing, and we talked about the Justice Center initiative, where we're trying to make recommendations. Another thing we expedited was the use of body cameras. Uh, on on police, and honestly, I think that will improve the uh, behavior of both the police officer and the citizen, and it also offers some reassurance when there are particular incidents to review. Uh, uh, so there's a question coming in from a concerned citizen. He said nearly nearly half, uh, 47% of 51,000 Baltimore County students qualify for federal free and reduced lunch, um, and that's family four earning more than $28,000 a year are not qualified. So there are thousands more kids in our schools who are going hungry. Baltimore County Schools spent $250 million to provide iPads for each student over the next five years, while 525000 per year would pay for reduced meal costs for every student in the, in the county, ensuring everyone has food to eat on their way to school and work. Uh, and imagine if you took the $2.4 million you're spending on the controversial therapeutic arena nobody wants, uh, that could be used to feed our kids instead. So why aren't you addressing the issues of poor children in our communities that way? Well, of course, we're doing it all. But we're doing it all, and we're doing it all, and we're building uh, 15 new schools, 11 additions, eight renovations. But what about, what about, what about the issue We're doing all raised? of this without raising the property tax rate. But, but the, what, about the the issue, what about the issue that was school? raised here about, not, about expanding the free lunch program rather than uh, other things so well, you can well, actually feed children that need who, feeding? Who says they're not being fed? You, you mentioned the statistic, which we're well aware of, and they are being fed. If you are below, only if you f- fall below the official poverty line. Not if you are making, if you have a family of four, having an income of 20, more than $28,000 a year, which is a very tight budget to live on. I defy anybody in this room to live on that budget. Uh, and those, those kids are not included. But in other jurisdictions, all kids are included. You know, every, everything's a balance here. Okay. I, I wish I could solve all the world's problems but as county executives. Just Baltimore County's problems we're right now we're talking well, about. I, I, <laughs> I think we're getting the job done here, but, you know, we have a lot of issues that we have to handle, and the pie is only so big. So, so if you enlarge one of those slices, tell me, you know, which slice gets less. Uh, you know, we not only feed those children in school, but we're also building them modern learning facilities. We're also paying our teachers well so we can attract and maintain the highest level of teaching. And uh, we're, we're giving them the, the modern tools they need to do their job better, such as the use of iPads. It, it, you know, today, uh, technology is the language that these children are speaking outside of the classroom. By giving them that same use of technology in the classroom, we're engaging those students uh, to a greater degree. Uh, uh, we're, we're finding behavioral issues are down, and uh, the teacher can track the progress of each individual student instantly. So it, it, it's... That's good. I it, just answered the, the question, though, about, we, about kids not being... Well, she, no, no. The, the caller said, well, why don't you do away with iPads and give more food out? All right, so why don't you not build the accident nobody wants that's spending too much money in the northern part of Baltimore County and use that well, money for kids instead? no one wants an ag center? Most people in the area don't want it. How do you know? Because Did you poll them? I didn't poll them, but okay. it's very clear from people you talk to that people don't want that accident. They there. didn't want a maintenance facility, right. Mark. 
Okay. Do they want a therapeutic riding center that has uh, that offers programs for veterans? Maybe they do. Maybe that's actually a good thing, Mark, if you were interested into our history in Baltimore County, which is equestrian-based. Exactly. But but we get to that point. I want to get to another point. I do want to get there's more about that I want to get to in a moment. But 410-319-8888. Let's go right to the phones. And Eric, you're on the air. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Uh, Eric. As as you talk about issues around policing, uh, two, hopefully I didn't miss it, but one is how are police being educated? not trained, but educated to engage uh, the diversity, particularly the African-American community. And two, what is being done regarding the uh, psychological wellness of officers? I can only imagine that it's very challenging dealing with certain situations that, that officers have to deal with. But other than possibly when they have been engaged with firing their weapon, how is the mental health assessed? of police officers, so you know, things such as uh, PTSD and other emotional challenges that could affect the way that they engage people in communities. Uh, Eric, great questions. Um, the, the training part is why we're actually trying to bring the outside group, the Justice Center, in to, to look uh, with a set of fresh eyes to say, you know, other jurisdictions are doing this and this is this has been successful and, and Baltimore County, you should consider implementing it. And, and the primary areas that we've asked them to look at are uh, dealing with individuals who suffer mental health, which is probably a ma- you know, majority of the, uh, of the police encounters, uh, de-escalation strategies. That is, not everything is resolved by putting a handcuff on someone. It, that it could be handled in a different way. Uh, and, and also the cultural bias training. Uh, so that part uh, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, introduce, and, and I'm looking forward to those recommendations. Uh, the uh, uh, psychological impact on police officers is really uh, a, a great insight because it is a very stressful time in this country right now for a police officer. Uh, and uh, uh, and how they deal with this. We immediately, anytime there's a shooting, they're they're placed on um, uh, uh, administrative leave. Administrative uh, leave, and uh, and and we do have mental health uh, counseling that takes place with that. Uh, but ultimately, you're right. We're all human beings, and uh, you know we we want our police officers to be thinking straight so they can act straight. We do have a question here about the accident that just came in that I'll read but in a moment. But let me go to get another call in here, 410-319-8888. Let's go to Tim. You're on the air. Good morning, Tim. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I do want to say to um, Mr. Kavanaugh, you're doing a great job. You're doing the best you can with what you have. Um, I you. do want to. I do want Thank to you, Uncle Tim. <laughs> I do want to address one issue, though. Um, I, I actually have a microtransit company, and I'm looking at what's going on in Baltimore County when it comes to transit and transportation as far as the gaps that are out here that the young people, when we talk about crime and, and when we talk about economic development, we're also not looking at the fact that transportation is a key issue to getting people to where jobs are and the opportunities, the new bustling system seems to not be addressing that. Do you have any plans on your table or in with your group to address the transportation issue, especially over near Liberty Road? Uh, what we're trying to address, and obviously I, I talked earlier about the need for more public uh, uh, 
or mass transit solutions other than just highways, but uh, it's also looking at uh, what what we might refer to as uh, the last mile challenge. So we have a public transportation system in the bus system. I, I think this, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to try and improve the performance of the system. But other than that, I think this is just window dressing or, or color coding. Uh, the real issue we're trying to identify, for example, is people who get off of the light rail in Hunt Valley and then have to get to their job. How do they do so or get off um, the, the, you know, the metro line in Owings Mills and how do they then get to the jobs that we have placed around those areas? And we're trying to work with the major employers to develop uh, this type of last mile challenge. Uh, it, it's extremely difficult. Part of our problem is, of course, we're stuck with the positions that we already have. We already have the Baltimore Beltway and, you know, the 50 years of that. Uh, uh, and and we're, we're challenged with kind of the spokes that lead off of the Beltway. Uh, and then the development has taken place there. So it's not like we planned our city and said, okay, well, let's put all of the you know, uh, uh, important businesses in areas that are immediately accessible. We're facing this challenge right now at, at Trade Point Atlantic, the former Sparrows Point. So we're we're envisioning an opportunity to have 10,000 new jobs there. Uh, but because Sparrows Point has closed, and, and when it did close, it was only 2,000 jobs there, uh, there are no more public transportation opportunities. So we have asked uh, the governor to include funding to reinstate opportunities for public transit back to Trade Point. So let me, uh, let me say that Tom and Hank, we're going to get you a call. So hang in there. Don't hang up. Tom has a question about Spires Point. I don't know what Hank's question is, but I think it's about the police. But we'll go to his call in just a moment. Uh, but I, I want to ask you this: what you think of um, the man who may be running for your seat once you, in the next election, is Senator Jim Brochin. Um, and he has put forth an idea of making contributions from developers illegal, kind of a Citizens United for Baltimore County. Um, and um, saying that anybody who has uh, who applies for certain development or zoning uh, approvals will not be allowed to make campaign donations while their application is pending. They've yet to, and and, uh, and 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 similarly, like the one in, in in Prince George's County, which covers zoning changes, special exception of variances, site plan approvals, and more plan new developments. They cannot contribute to the campaign of county executive uh, or campaigns in the county in general. So. Does that make sense to you? Well, look, uh, I, I understand uh, that people assume the worst that everyone's on the take or something like that. I've been involved in county government 22 years. I never have personally witnessed any type of uh, untoward behavior. Um, I, I will tell you that what uh, uh, Mr. Broshan is missing is, and he's in the state legislature, so he doesn't necessarily fully appreciate how county government works, but... Uh, the county executive has nothing to do with land use. That all comes, that, that power is within the county council. And the county council has- Well, a, it includes the county council in this. I mean, people, oh, okay. You know, I mean, it's- it, right, they, well, you say county executive. Right. I mean, when we talked a couple of years back, there was a whole controversy over the Caves Valley Partners and donations that took place there. And, and it's not just that, but it's the entire question of the power developers have because they have the, the wealth and muscle to make things happen despite many communities opposing things they want to do. Not that development is bad, but, 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 but the, so the question is, why shouldn't they, when they have things pending, say, no, you cannot contribute while this is going on? Well, we actually have that policy in place. Here's, here's what happens. Um, once every four years, the county council passes a zoning map, 
and uh, it's a it's a fourteen month long process. When I was chairman of the county council in 1996, I set a policy that said that no council member should have any fundraisers during that entire 14-month period. And I'm proud to state that every uh, every council since uh, that uh, since I promulgated that policy has abided by that. But it's not a law. Well, it doesn't matter. They're still not fundraising during that 14-month. But if you had a law, you, it would just be a matter of fact they couldn't do it. Period. Okay. They, if they want to pass a law that says they can't fundraise during the 14-month period, then the council can do that. But I'm just telling you, they have every single council member has abided for that for for 21 years. So as I promised, we're going to go to the phones here. And I'll read this uh, ad question and go to the phones first at 410-319-8888. Hank, you're on the air. Welcome. Hello. Good morning, Hank. How are you doing today, Mr. Very well. Uh, Mr. Cat. This is my problem. This is my issue with what you said earlier about the police. I got two issues, right? Okay, if something happens in Baltimore County, right? Yes, you can go report it. But what they do is they make it extremely hard to report any infractions done by a police officer. Now I know this because me and my son, mother, both tried to bring a police officer up or have um, trial charges on a police officer for putting his footprint in my son's chest. With my son, 27 years old, this happened when my son was 15, still had that shirt hanging on his wall today, notifying him that he can't go in Baltimore County and have anything other than an understanding what was supposed to be, what would, would appear to be a straight college European student, right? My son went to Lock Raven High and got put out and then got chased out by the police because someone sexually assaulted him by verbally, right? So... Let's say you make it hard for a for minority to complain against the police. Now, getting back to the other thing that you said, you said that nobody's ever done anything in your 25 years of politics that was wrong. Nobody's ever done anything in 25 years of politics that you can talk about, right? Now, I won't say that justifiably, I won't have complaint statements say that you won't tell on a person, but you're not telling everything that goes wrong. And trust me, uh. I know something somewhere every day when somebody turns a blind eye. All right, Heck, appreciate the call. Okay. Thoughts, um, Kevin? Uh, first of all, as to uh, the, the police complaints, it, it sounded like you were saying the incident occurred uh, a while back when your son was 15, and I can tell you it's that very uh, uh, action uh, that I, I am paying attention to and why we're trying to institute the, the changes that we talked about. Uh, I will tell you that today a citizen can actually go online and make a complaint about a police officer and, and that would be followed through. So there, you know, there is greater opportunity for accessibility. Uh, uh, and, and I just want to reiterate what I said was uh, about uh, I- improper actions. I said, I personally have never witnessed such an incident in my 22 years in county government. So th- another question here before we go back to the phones, and Tom, you're the next caller. We're going to get to your call. Um, and I was just thinking about this. We do a lot of programs on housing here um, on the Steiner Show f- across, the, across the metro region. There's a 12-year waiting list for affordable housing in Baltimore County. Um, and people argue, some people have argued in this program, that that the county's too interested in this AAA bond raising and initiating developer incentives or seed money for affordable housing, that part of it has to do with the fact that many people in Baltimore County don't want affordable housing in the county, don't want uh, poor working class black people moving into the county, 
Um, and so, and even though the federal government has been demanding changes, even though that may not happen under Trump, uh, what's kind of going to do about it? Well, actually, uh, I've been very sensitive to this issue, and uh, we have crafted a uh, facilitation agreement with HUD that uh, uh, encourages uh, a change in, in past practices, or at least past perceptions about Baltimore County. So uh, we've created a fund that is set aside uh, for affordable housing, uh, $30 million, uh, that is available uh, for any developer to kind of buy down the cost of units to promote the encouragement. We've committed to creating 1,100 affordable units uh, within the next 10 years. Uh, we have publicly supported uh, the a change in the law that uh, requires uh, uh, landlords to include or not discriminate with income uh, sources of income that is if you know you, you can't discriminate if a person has income based on alimony or child support or or federal benefits well, you know that also should include uh, what we kind of refer to as section 8 housing uh, money so uh, we uh, introduced that bill before the county council but it it was defeated uh, so uh, you know uh, I'm trying. We're, you know, I, I believe in the notion that we need to help people have uh, uh, better housing, better schools, better neighborhoods, and access to better jobs. I personally am not fearful of any individual who wants to move to Baltimore County because they believe uh, it, it's a better opportunity for their family, better schools. Uh, and easier to get to work. That's a good thing. That's the type of neighbor I want. Let's get back to the phones. 410-319-8888. And Tom, you're on the air. Welcome. Mark and, and uh, Executive Cabinet. Several years ago, the Sun Papers reported there were 5,000 people who lost their jobs sparsely, not 2,000, as our county executive just said. And also, at the time, the executive said that those 5,000 men and women would be retrained for new jobs. I just wonder what percentage of those 5,000 men and women actually did receive training and have do job, better jobs now. Okay, well, Tom, uh, I, I guess this is a time when you can't always believe everything you read in the newspapers. I know for a fact it was 2,000 jobs when RG Steel closed. We immediately went in there and offered retraining opportunities. A lot of the individuals, the 2,000 workers, um, uh, uh, a lot of them chose to retire, not re-enter into the workplace. Uh, we have had some good success stories, but of course, uh, you know, the, uh, it, it's changed. You know, in terms of having to retrain and then and then finding those opportunities. Uh, uh, but we we have great workforce training uh, program. Uh, what we also decided to do was recognizing that steelmaking was not going to have a future here in Baltimore County. We, we tried to figure out what that next generation of uh, jobs could be, and we recognized that the asset there was uh, uh, 3,000 miles of land that's zoned industrial in nature. It has deep water port access plus access to two railroads and two interstate highways. And we recognize the economic engine of the, uh, of the state right now is the Port of Baltimore, and this would be a logical expansion point for port-related activity, distribution, logistics. Uh, we laid out that vision. We now have an owner in place who's adopted that vision. 
Uh, we've already announced uh, with Federal Express and uh, Under Armour and Pacia, which is a roll-on, roll-off automotive facility, we've now uh, achieved 3,000 jobs that replaced the 2,000 we lost. And economic studies indicated that we're going to see 10,000 middle-skill jobs there within, within the next 10 years, uh, plus um, uh, 10,000 temporary construction jobs in the interim, uh, and that it's going to have a $3 billion impact uh, direct and, in, uh, and indirect impact. We're here with County Executive Kevin Kamenetz. Let's uh, try to get back to the phones here in a moment. 410-319-8888. We'll get right to you, Richard and Ernest, trying to get to your calls in the next eight minutes or so we have left. Uh, an email from Michael, uh, who wants to said Baltimore County is building, this is what we were talking about earlier, um, and I'm agnostic here, but Baltimore County is building a $2.4 million therapeutic arena at the Maryland Cultural Resource Center. The board uh, did not agree and uh, was not notified after it was not consulted when the arena was announced. Um, and it's 10 times the amount of a similar facility in Glen Arm, uh, which already works with the veterans who are returning on the Saratoga War, War Horse Foundation. Uh, opponents want to know why the $2.4 million is be, in state open space money is being used on facility on county-owned land instead of, an out, instead of other. And what's the rush in the beginning construction in the arena when that displaces proposed facilities uh, by the Ag Center's ma- master plan? And uh, sure, Saratoga Warhorse provides wonderful service, but better programs are owned and operated by Baltimore County residents for local residents, veterans, and special needs people. Okay, um, fair fair statement. Um, you know, obviously there are different perspectives here, but I, I'm not nitpicking with uh, some of the concerns that were raised. You know, I mean, does, did 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 what about the one thing? Did, did it happen without consultation to the board there? I, look. There's a divergence of opinion. I have staff members who say they attended meetings and briefed. Uh, you know, so there's obviously a, a difference in opinion, or, or you know how people consider they were notified. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm really not going to get into all that right now. But I, I just want to acknowledge I, I'm not arguing with the gentleman. Uh, I think uh, I think a lot of points are fair viewpoints. So let's go to Richard on line one. You're on the air, Richard. Welcome. You there, Richard? Can we pot yeah, him up? Go ahead, Richard. We I'm only have here. a few. Yeah, we only have a couple minutes left, so jump in. I'm sorry. I just want to ask the county exec, how many minority wealth opportunities has he provided? And what are his guarantees that moving forward, he'll make sure that minorities have access to contracts? We group of minorities that with his chief of staff, Kevin Lowe, and he treated us like we were second-hand citizens. So what is he going to do moving forward and tell me how many, a number, opportunities he's provided for minorities to participate in big contracts? All right. Uh, that he's overseen. All right. Let me, let me let the county staff answer. We only have like a, a three or four minutes left here. Three, two minutes, three minutes left. So We're, we're working on uh, uh, creating a robust uh, MBE, WBE program, we've exceeded our stated goals uh, by 4% uh, in, in the past uh, uh, calendar year. Uh, and uh, we work hard with our minority contractors to make sure, uh, first of all, they're notified about bids. Uh, we, we sometimes recruit them to bid. Uh, we, uh, we work hard to make sure they get paid if they are subs. Uh, and we, we track that payment system. If uh, uh, we, we reject bids if it's not aggressive enough minority participation. 
uh, and uh, we participate in the FISBID program, which allows uh, uh, access to a bond uh, for companies that may not have uh, that, that chance to, to properly post it. Uh, and we do job fairs where we kind of have meet the primes and uh, make sure that we, we go out and uh, uh, make the connection between the subs and the, and the primes. Uh, so it's a committed goal of Baltimore County government. Uh, we're working hard uh, to achieve it. And if you uh, kind of contact me offline, uh, I'd like to hear more about what your negative experience is with Kevin Loeb, who actually is our policy director. Uh, but um, So if you want to call back and leave your name, number, and email, I will make sure that I give it to uh, yeah. uh, Mr. Kavanaugh. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Richard. Um, Derek Neal tweeted in very quickly, would cabinet support the same level of addiction outreach across the state as currently in Baltimore City? Ah, uh, boy, that's, uh, that's one of the big questions we have to do here. So, we're, you know, the governor's sitting there promoting, you know, uh, uh, opo- opioid issues, uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting now people are concerned statewide. Uh, it's no longer just considered an <coughs> urban problem, right. so to speak, which is interesting. Um, the real issue is not just that you give them uh, uh, naloxone to, you know, to get them out of their potential of a drug overdose that moment. It, you know, they're, they're still going to keep using. The, the real issue is treatment on demand. We have to increase the number of beds and we have to make it that it's not a stigma like any other mental health issue. We have to treat it as a disease and uh, encourage the growth of more inpatient beds on demand. Kevin Kamenetz, of course, is the Baltimore County Executive. Always good to have you in the house, Kevin. Appreciate Thanks, you Mark. willing to you're, take all the questions. Um, Mark, I'm a little worried. You know, you're What's getting that? Trumpized here. You know, you Trumpized? Get, yeah, well, you're How's getting that? all, because well, we're all getting irritated and agitated. And, agitated. and you're taking it out on your favorite county executive. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, it's always good to see you, and I appreciate your willingness to uh, answer the questions. Good to have you in the house. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> And thank you all for writing in and calling in, making the show what it is. We couldn't do this without you. The Mark Steiner Show is a production of the Center for Emerging Media. Our senior producer is Mark Gunry. Our producer is Amani Spence. Our research producer is Calvin Perry. Our production assistant is Nadia Ramlagan. And we want to welcome Michael Dixon. Our new intern here is a senior at Morgan State University. Our engineer is Andrea Melton. Our theme music is by Wall Matthews of Clean Cuts. Send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at SinusShow.org, podcast Mark Sinus Show, and share it with your friends. Visit us on the web at SinusShow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. And for your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community, I'm Mark Steiner. Take care. We'll talk tomorrow.